This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Every new year, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy can also help you build on what's working by helping you find your strengths so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. I know firsthand how helpful it can be to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. Therapy isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress that you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Curiosities today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Curiosities. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. On the night of September 10th of 2001, a man lounged on a couch in a New York City hotel suite. Outside his window, the bright lights of Manhattan cut through the darkness. He could see the Twin Towers jutting upwards, taller than any other buildings in the city. The man hadn't felt this good in a long time. His whole body was exhausted from the show he'd put on a few hours before. But it was okay, because his tour was finally over, and for once he wasn't alone in his hotel room. His relatives were there with him. You see, this man was always traveling, always away from home, always missing his family. But that night, his mom and his sister sat across from him, smiling and laughing. I don't know what they talked about. Maybe they told stories about when the man was just a kid. Even back then, he'd been a star. Maybe they told him how great that evening's show had been, how excited the fans at Madison Square Garden had been. Or maybe they asked him what he had going on the next day. If they did, he would have told them this. The very next morning, September 11th of 2001, he had a meeting on the top floor of the World Trade Center. Whatever they talked about, it must have been a great conversation because the man's mom and sister didn't leave his hotel room until 4 o'clock in the morning. By the time they were gone, he was totally drained. He barely remembered to set his alarm before he crawled into bed and fell asleep. The next morning at 8.46 a.m., American Airlines Flight 11 crashed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. 17 minutes later, Flight 175 struck the South Tower. In the process, Manhattan became the setting of the deadliest terrorist attack in U.S. history, with over 3,000 people killed. Rubble littered the ground, smoke rose high into the air, and first responders risked their lives to save others. Across the country, news stations played footage of the horrifying tragedy. Even today, it would be difficult to find a single person over the age of 30 that doesn't remember exactly where they were the moment they heard the news. Back then, though, word was still spreading, and in that New York City hotel room, the man's alarm beeped, and beeped, and beeped. He should have been inside the World Trade Center at the very moment the plane struck, but he was so tired that he had slept through his alarm. 
It wasn't until the sounds of explosions and sirens broke out that he woke up, got out of bed, and ran to his window. The peaceful scene from the night before was gone. The Twin Towers were in shambles. Just as he began to understand what happened, the man's hotel phone rang. He picked it up and heard his mom's frantic voice on the other end. She wanted to make sure that her son was alive. He told her, and I quote, Mother, I'm okay, thanks to you. You kept me up talking so late that I overslept and missed my appointment. And listen, the last I slept through my alarm, it pretty much ruined my whole day, but I can't even begin to imagine how grateful this man must have been. He went on to live for another eight years, but those were trying times for him. The man who had once sold out shows at Madison Square Garden became the subject of widespread controversy. Fame, something that he had had since he was 11 years old, took its toll. His legacy had been damaged time and time again. And this might be what inspired his brother to write a memoir. The story about this man narrowly escaping 9-11 was revealed in his brother's book, which was published in 2011. It also gives more intimate details of the man's life and reminds readers that while he was a complicated and often troubled figure, the impact he made on music and pop culture is undeniable. Without him, there would be no moonwalk, no glittery white glove, no thriller nights. After all, he was Michael Jackson, the king of pop. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. In September of 1863, the Civil War was at its height. The Union and Confederate armies faced off in northwestern Georgia in a conflict now known as the Battle of Chickamauga. It was a horrible, brutal fight, becoming the second deadliest battle of the Civil War, only behind Gettysburg. 
But in the midst of this fighting stood a very curious soldier. His name was John Clem. He was from Ohio, and he left to join the Union Army a little over two years prior. At first, he served as a drummer for Michigan's 22nd Regiment, but anxious to do more, he quickly traded his drumsticks for a musket. When the 22nd Regiment entered the Battle of Chickamauga on September 18th of 1863, John Clem marched alongside them. For two days, they fought. For two days, they stuck together. Then, disaster struck. A group of Confederate soldiers surrounded them. John became separated from the rest of his regiment. When he looked up, he found himself staring straight into the eyes of a Confederate colonel. The colonel sized John Clem up and said, and I quote, I think the best thing a mite of a chap like you can do is drop that gun. But John Clem did not drop his gun. Quite the opposite. He lifted the musket, aimed it right at the colonel, and shot. Then he turned around and sprinted away as fast as he possibly could. And behind him, the colonel yelled out some choice words, calling John a damned little Yankee devil. But John probably didn't hear that bit. He'd managed to make it back across Union lines and was safely with his fellow fighters. Although the Confederate Army won the battle that day, John Clem survived and he would soon be honored for his bravery against the colonel. He was promoted from soldier to sergeant, which meant that he was now officially an officer in the U.S. Army. The only catch was, John Clem was 12 years old. It's crazy, I know. It was a journey that started just a few years earlier, too. John's mother had died when he was nine years old, and after she was gone, he ran away from home in the hope of joining the army. He'd actually been turned away from at least one other regiment, on account of the whole thing of being a child, before the 22nd Michigan Regiment accepted him. When they did finally let him in, it was only so that he could be a sort of unofficial mascot slash drummer boy. He was more like an adopted child who the other soldiers took care of than an actual member of the U.S. military. But John kept insisting that he wasn't there to drum. He was there to fight. Eventually, his commander agreed that he could have a musket, although they had to saw part of the end off to make it light enough for the child to carry. Regardless, at the Battle of Chickamauga, John Clem clearly proved that he meant business. Still, for all his bravery, there was the pesky problem of being a minor. About a year later, in July of 1864, the U.S. War Department announced that it would be instituting strict penalties for anyone who allowed boys under the age of 16 to enlist. So John's commanding officer was forced to let him go. He told the boy, in so many words, that he ought to trade the musket for a pencil and go to school. John followed his commander's orders. From his new place in a high school classroom, he kept in touch with his friends from Michigan's 22nd Regiment. And when he graduated in 1870, he received nomination to West Point from none other than President Ulysses S. Grant. But that didn't go quite as planned either. John failed the West Point entrance exam. However, due to his highly unique experience, President Grant appointed John as an Army Lieutenant anyway. John Clem spent the next 44 years in the military, eventually rising to the rank of Major General. When he retired in 1915, he was the last active duty member who had served in the Civil War. He died in 1937 and is now buried at Arlington National Cemetery with a headstone that says, John Lincoln Clem, the drummer boy of Chickamauga. A fitting nickname for such a strange soldier. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, 
in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.